Hi, this is Mark Miller again with 30 and 30. Today I'm here with Mark Schaefer. Mark, how are you doing? Could not be better. Thanks for having me. That's good. We just talked a little bit. You're down in Knoxville, right? Yes, I live in Knoxville and work all over the world. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> um, let's get into it right away because you've got some interesting stuff here. Um, you know, with the Tao of Twitter, the, the book that you put out a while ago, are you still feeling the same way about Twitter as you did when you wrote that book? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Twitter has changed somewhat for me as my, I mean, there's no other word to say it, but my, my popularity or my celebrity grows. The irony is the more followers that you get, the less you're able to actually engage. So, uh, you know, I still think Twitter is, is an amazing networking tool. It's, it's a revolutionary tool to connect with people. It's absolutely changed my life. It's changed my business, but it is different for me now than, than when I wrote the book. Uh, give me an example. What's different? Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing is I used to ha have the flexibility and the liberty to have a lot more casual conversations. And, you know, that's fine if you've got a thousand followers or two thousand followers. Uh, but now I'm I'm getting close to, you know, I think 60,000 followers. So when you show up and when you have a conversation, all of a sudden, maybe dozens of other people will start piling on and, and they want you to connect with them, which is great and fine. I try to do that as much as I can. But just the sheer volume of demand is pretty challenging compared to the way it was just a few years ago. Yeah, no doubt. I've actually seen uh, the use of Twitter change. Um, right now, Twitter, it seems to me, is actually a distribution of a message, but the message itself is residing, like in your case, in your blog, is where your message really resides. Yeah, I consider blogging to be really the content engine behind the web. You, you can't really build a voice of authority through tweets or Facebook updates. You've got to have some rich content and that would come in the form of either some sort of a longer form uh, text like uh, a blog post or perhaps even uh, video or a podcast but you've got to have some meat there uh, content is the catalyst that makes things happen on the social web and you're right I mean I think to some extent Twitter Facebook, LinkedIn are in some ways distribution channels, but also networking channels. But I think you're right. There is an aspect of distribution there. Yeah. I, I noticed that you were up yesterday morning at 530 uh, writing your <laughs> blog. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. It, it is a, a wonderful time of day to be awake, isn't it? Well, it's like I said in my blog post. It's, uh, you know, when I'm up and the morning is a good creative time for me. I cherish those times, those quiet times where you can really think and create. And that's a challenge on the social web. If you're an entrepreneur or a, or a business owner or you just have a job someplace, uh, you know, there is a certain amount of power that comes with being able to create content. But how do you, how do you find the time to do that, you know, when you have to take care of a family, take care of a job, uh, maybe, you know, find ways to pay the bills. 
everybody needs to you know exercise perhaps give back to the community and usually blogging is kind of down the list so that was the purpose of the blog post you were referring to is you know i was pointing out i was blogging at 5 30 in the morning because that's what i have to do <laughs> but i yeah. but i love it too but you know with with the visibility that you have now there is a certain amount of obligation that comes with that that you didn't have before well, you know, I, that's a very interesting subject. It's a very, very interesting topic. And I think that does represent a certain maturity that's happening on the social web. I mean, I, when I first started out and looked at the people who I would regard as the leaders, the, the thought leaders in this space, there was more of an attitude of, we're wild, we're crazy, we can do whatever we want, we can say whatever we want. Uh, this is just a big, huge creative space and the rest of the world be damned. And I think there has been a shift where when you do have an audience, when you do create an audience, there there is an element of responsibility that starts to creep in, even if it's just the responsibility of posting in a consistent manner or uh, supporting people in a consistent manner. I'm very mindful that as a college educator, uh, I teach at Rutgers University uh, and I also do a lot of lecturing at uh, different colleges. I, I lectured at the University of Tennessee this morning. I'm lecturing at Radford University uh, tonight that I have a lot of young people following me. I even have high school kids following me on Twitter and through my blog. So I do think there's an element, once you have an audience, there is an element of responsibility, there is an element of leadership uh, that I think is important. You know, I, I discovered that accidentally by myself in that I, I run one of the largest blogs in the world for SharePoint. And I, I, it's a community blog, I let people aggregate and put information on it. And one of the posts turned out to be wrong. And I got I got called out really hard. And I said, you know, this is a community blog. Give me a break here, guys. And they said, no, once you reach the status that you have, it's no longer community blog. This is an absolute resource. Yeah, and they're yeah. So you know, that I, I always live in in fear of that. <laughs> I think it is a I mean because you know, here's the biggest obstacle to blogging. It's not ideas. It's not even time. It's courage. You know, when you get right down to it, if you look at the people who are saying, oh, you know, I just can't get around to starting the blog or something like that, you have got to take that step and you've got to put yourself out there. And that takes guts. You're opening yourself to the world and you're opening yourself to a world of mean people quite frankly <laughs> there are a lot of you know there are a lot of mean people out there and there has never been a blog post i don't think that i've ever pushed the publish button and thought boy what am i getting myself into mm -hmm, here are people mm -hmm. gonna like this are they going to criticize this uh but luckily the people that have surrounded my blog are are pretty wonderful people i mean they're really it's 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 just such a gift such a blessing to be able to have this blog. I mean, of course there's dissent. Of course people disagree. But usually they're attacking the issue, not me. And I'm fine with that. 
Mm-hmm. You know, speaking of one of those issues that uh, is like a lightning rod, and I think this is where we'll finish our little discussion here today, and that's ROI on this social media. I'm starting to see a transition, and you've been on the forefront of that too, I think, as we've seen it happen where at first everybody had to be in the pool, and now it's gone beyond that. There has to be some kind of tangible return here. You want to take a crack at that? Well, I mean, I'm a I'm a business person. I mean, I've been in business for 30 years, and I've worked in some pretty tough businesses where every single penny you invest in marketing is scrutinized. And I think that's healthy. I think it should be scrutinized. I think every penny we sh- we spend you should be able to somehow trace that back to creation of shareholder value or stakeholder value. I say stakeholder because, of course, you know, small businesses or nonprofits don't necessarily have shareholders. But here's the thing that too many people are, uh, they just get caught up uh, and they trip over this, is not every benefit of social media is quantitative. You know, I could list pages and pages and pages of benefits I get from social media. I hired an intern from social media. I solved a problem through social media. Somebody gave me a free background for my Twitter account through social media. I found guest bloggers through my blog. I could go on and on and on and on. Now, you could look at this list and you say, how many of these things could you put into a spreadsheet? Maybe none of them. But, and yet, they're tangible business benefits. But they're qualitative, not necessarily quantitative. And if you only focus on the quantitative benefits you can put in a pie chart, you're going to miss the benefits of social media completely. Now, that's not to say that we shouldn't measure, but in a respect, Mark, this is why small businesses may have an advantage in this space over big businesses because they see these qualitative benefits. Hey, I just got a new supplier out of this deal. I just found someone that that created an introduction to me for me at a business that I want to become involved in. Uh, Those are all qualitative benefits, important benefits and you need to be able to acknowledge those too. You know, acknowledging them and saying, yes, this is a value is one thing. But trying to make the case in that way to upper management, yeah. it's going to be tough. So I agree with you that smaller businesses are going to be seeing the advantages of what you just described much easier than the bean counters at the top of the chain in an enterprise. Yeah, because yeah, and, and it's, it's likely that the, the person who owns the budget and the strategy is, is two or three layers above the people doing the work and seeing the benefits. And it's, 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 not, it's only an obstacle if the people at the top don't understand. And many times they don't. And in that case, you're setting yourself up for failure. I mean, you, you might check the boxes, but you're not going to really make real progress unless the leaders in your company really understand what this is about, what is possible, 
the organizational changes that have to occur to support this properly. It has to come from the top. And and and, and the companies that have the leaders who, who really understand, those are the ones to watch. Those are the ones who are going to ma- be making the breathtaking progress. Well, the interesting part of that, Mark, is that even if you have a, a CEO and a CFO that understands this, there's still going to be so much animosity underneath pushing up that they, even the C-level execs have to act as the buffer system to protect what you're trying to do in this case. Have you run into that? No, I'm not. I'm not. Say your question again. Sure. sure. I've seen circumstances where the CEO gets complete buy-in. He says, "I get this. I'm going to be the. I'm the one that's going to actually run this campaign. Make sure that it works." But he gets so much push from underneath from people that don't understand it that he starts to question his own decision. Well, I mean, I think that's a leadership issue. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think if if you set, I mean, your your job as a leader or a CEO is to set the direction of the company, and then you've got to put the checks and balances in place to make it work. So you got to build, you have to build these measurements into performance objectives, and you get you need to get everybody aligned. And then the other thing is, if you've got important people in your company who are you know, political terrorists, let's say, that are against this and are going to work against it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you give them a chance. I think you give them education. Uh, you try to nurture those people. And then maybe at some point you have a hard discussion and you say, look, you can join the parade. You can watch the parade, but do not block the parade or you'll be gone. I mean, that's some of the hard discussions you need to have if you're a leader trying to get something done. Yeah, I'm in agreement with that. It's um, right now in the transition that's happening more and more. And when I say the transition, I'm thinking of the idea of this ubiquitous thing called social media that's just out there into something that is measurable, that is sustainable as part of the marketing campaign of a company. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right, good. Mark, thank you for your time. I hope that I'm going to catch up with you when you're in New York sometime soon. Yeah, that would be a delight. Thanks so much for talking with me today. I've enjoyed the conversation. Great. Thank you.